Hello, everyone, and welcome to BrainX Talks. I am Ashish Khanna, along with your co-host, Alok Kothari. Hello. I come to you from Cleveland, Ohio. This is the very first episode of BrainX Talks. We hope to make this a podcast about conversations with leading figures and their work at the crossroads of machine learning and healthcare. Let me introduce myself quickly. I am Alok Kothari. I have spent more than 10 years in the field of machine learning, doing research and development all over the world. And I'm hoping to use my background in machine learning to engage our guests in interesting conversations. Ashish. And I come from a slightly warmer and sunnier Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I am an intensivist and anesthesiologist and spend most of my time in research, education, and innovation centered around perioperative and critical care outcomes research. I am also one of the founding members of BrainX, and today is a very special day for us as we launch BrainX Talks. Awesome. In today's podcast, we have founders of BrainX community, Dr. Mathur and Dr. Pepe, and of course, our co-host, Dr. Ashik Khanna himself. In today's episode, we'll take an opportunity to get to know our guests, hear the BrainX story, and see how it has evolved to what it is today, and get their thoughts on machine learning and healthcare in general. Alok, before we get our special guests on tonight, uh, I want our listeners to hear a little bit about the BrainX story from us. So BrainX, in fact, um, www.brainxai.org, was co-founded by Drs. Piyush Mathur and uh, Frank Pepe in 2017. Now, Dr. Mathur is an anesthesiologist and intensivist, and you know I won't get into long stories today, but uh, was my uh, attending anesthesiologist and intensivist during my training times at Cleveland Clinic. So we share a rather long history. And uh, Dr. Pepe is a plastic surgeon and chairman of the Dermatological and Plastic Surgery Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. Now, both of them had a vision for an organization that would collaborate, engage, develop, and produce new, new technologies and promote new research, and also create platforms for artificial intelligence and healthcare. After Dr. Mathurs and Pepe set up the BrainX vision, um, I joined in soon after, and so did our valued uh, founding members, Drs. Uh, Kamal Maheshwari and uh, Yasek Savinsky, both of whom are clinician scientists with established national and international reputation in respective fields. So our dream with BrainX was very simple, and it was simple in a sense that we wanted to be a very special group that would provide expertise with handling large data sets, research, and applications for artificial intelligence. And all of this would be driven by expertise and passion from all of us. And we were just five physician scientists with a niche area of expertise of our own. Take it away, Alok. The platform is yours. Thank you. So let us get to know our guests a little bit. We have Dr. Mathur and Dr. Pepe, whose introduction we know a little bit right now, but I wanted to ask them the most obvious question. Dr. Mathur, why did you choose the field of medicine? Yeah, thank you, Alok. I think more than me choosing it was my father who encouraged me to, to pursue this field. And I was, was for some reason very uh, much interested in biology so it was a natural transition for me and a lot of encouragement from my parents. And what about you, Dr. Pepe? 
That's a good background. My my I was first an engineer and worked for a while for NASA. And I became a biomedical engineer. And that was much like Dr. Mather said, it was a transitional thing. And I was up working all night on Laplace transforms and Fourier analysis for one problem. And my uh, my roommate at that time, who was in medical school, was you know, talking about why he's playing cards and drinking beer with the hip bones connected to the knee bone. And and I'm saying, hmm, what's wrong here? And so I looked at it and 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 thought, how can I apply, you know, my knowledge even greater? And certainly that was by going into medicine and surgery itself. So it's a combination of an engineering problem solving and bringing it to the, the human beings. Very, very interesting, which, which gives me a natural segue into what I wanted to ask you both next. Dr. Pepper, you already mentioned Laplace transforms and your engineering background. I was wondering what piqued your interest in artificial intelligence and machine learning particularly? Well, you know, there's certain waves that, that reach critical points. You know, AI has been around, machine learning has been around for quite a long time, but it's become popularized enough and the computers now, back in my day, I was working with PDP 11s and 12s and, and Fortran and things like that. But the computers have, have really matured and evolutionized with, based on their speed, where AI is a possibility and became a greater and greater possibility. So it was that critical point of really, you know, you know streaming the data at such a fast speed that you could use algorithms and test algorithms to really come up with, you know, predictive analyses of, of different problems. And that's where, you know, I became very, very interested. And again, I'm an old fart, you know, you know, I actually learned from younger people and I was, had the pleasure and the honor and became humble, meaning young people like Ashish and especially Dr. Mather. And really Dr. Mather came to me as a mentor and I fooled him and he became a mentor of mine and a younger mentor, which I call reverse mentorship. And, and learn and continue to learn a lot from him and a lot from Ashish and Yasik and Kamal and, and probably now you, Alok, uh, about how to utilize, I think, these breakthrough algorithms really to solve difficult problems. And that's what excites me. And, and certainly excitement drives passion and tr passion drives energy. And as you get older, you need as much energy as you can get. So uh, we, we wish have, we have the enthusiasm you have, uh... Uh, Dr. Pepe, and then you have seen it all. Uh, Dr. Mathur, uh, what was your story? How did you get into machine learning? Yeah, it's it's interesting because around like five, six years ago, the only thing I could do with a computer was, you know, a Word document, a PowerPoint, and a few emails, and that too was a struggle. And one of the one of the other things that I do beyond my my clinical uh, job is the administrative work of being the quality officer for Anesthesiology Institute, uh, and I. Had, just finished my training in in quality, did a quality fellowship at Cleveland Clinic. And the I realized the volume of data and the application of information was just continuously being a challenge. The volume was expanding. And a lot of that data was not just for a few group of patients, but for a large set of patients. And when you think about machine learning or AI, all those columns were continuously increasing, all those features were continuously increasing. Mm. Uh, so between the challenge of dealing with that data, making it interpretable or, or converting it into information, 
and then applying it into our work area, I thought there had to be a better solution than an Excel sheet, which I'd been working on. So that's when I started exploring what are the other tools uh, that are there. And that, that's when I started to learn about this uh, very interesting field of artificial intelligence. So that intro- introduction was just five years ago or so for me. And since then, it's just been a continuous journey where I've been learning uh, and sharing. And that was part of the reason why we created BrainX community so that we can all learn together at a much faster pace and in a much, much better manner. So it's been a journey for the last four or five years, but I was essentially trying to solve my own problem. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And would you mind telling people who are new to healthcare, what was the exact problem that you were trying to solve? Yeah, the, the exact problem that we were trying to solve was related to quality and patient safety issues. And when you measure quality, there are a lot of different metrics. There are a lot of different data points that are involved over there. And I don't think we can do the analysis the same way that we have been doing in the past. The other problem is application of that data in real time. So if you want the that data and that information to be translated into action, then you need certain tools that will make it go live rather than just retrospective research. So that translation was not occurring, or that translation was not occurring in real time. So we needed certain tools which will translate that data into information and be applied in real time. And that's where I see the promise of AI. I see, I see. And uh, did you look around and find other societies like this or uh, like BrainX or were you among the first one to think about these problems? No, we, we, I did look around for help and I'm glad, just like Dr. Pepe mentioned, you know, I found a great mentor with Dr. Anthony Chang. He leads this wonderful group called AI Med. And at that point of time, that was one of the, the largest groups. And I joined that group, went to their meetings, and I learned a lot and engaged with a lot of people. And that's where it, where it spurred to me that I think there more needed to be done over here. I see. So how, how walk us through the first few days of how this idea was evolving in your head and how you reached out to Dr. Pepe and others. Uh, and Dr. Pepe, feel free to jump in to tell your side also. I'll, I'll uh, you know, Piyush explain a little bit more, but really it's first started as, as most uh, uh, physicians are somewhat competitive. And so we had a contest to, to really look into, it was actually the IBM X prize. And mm-hmm. I would say, and Piyush, correct me if I'm wrong, I would say that was the true nidus of uh, how, we, um, how we start planning because we needed help and really solving these problems that were presented to us from the IBM XPRIZE. So from there, we really garnered the, the initial founders out of that as a team for the IBM XPRIZE. And then from there, we went through how many rounds? I think three rounds before we got bumped. And, and then, but we had the, this great solution, this great problem, two rounds. And we also had a great team. And the, the team was producing papers and chapters and books and things like that. And we noticed that, you know, we were all sharing information to each other and learning from each other. And, you know, life is relationships. And, and we developed pretty good relationships within that first five. And then from there, and I give all the credit to Piyush, came up with the idea that this, this is not just us. You know, this should be expanded worldwide. 
and and it's it's more than us and hence that was the the nidus of brain x and piyush and ashish maybe you want to expand on that yeah no i think um i think that's a great uh story right in fact i remember back in the day i mean every time i would you know cpu she would be with his computer trying to do some coding or learn some another coding language or do something like that and i have to tell you it you know i i i sometimes shrugged my shoulders and said you're just too smart and i cannot do this but <laughs> you know the the both of you have this inspiring story where you essentially started from you know re- reading a word document um, that's what you used your computer for reading and writing a word document to what you guys are doing today I think it's uh, it's it's an inspirational story for everyone especially for you know physician scientists because in general you know our careers are busy we're you know we take care of patients we we, we live a very busy life and to do all of this it takes some creativity and and understanding I'm going to go on a slightly interesting tangent here Dr Pepe I'm going to ask you I mean you've had a very illustrious career a long career in the field I don't even need to start telling the audiences what you've achieved. I mean, look at, you know, if I wanted to change the way I look today or need a new face, I would come to you. Um, is there something, when you look back at your illustrious career, um, are there things you would have done differently? And do you feel that those decisions would have put you at a different spot uh, today, you know, and would have had your different trajectory in life? Oh, that's a great question. You know, it's introspection is something that is a, a talent that people have. And throughout life, you're always trying to look at others and learn from others. And I, I the best way I can explain, explain it, it's like I feel like I'm Forrest Gump, where, where I go get into situations. And in those situations, I bump into incredible people like Dean Kamen, who invented Segway, or, you know, Maria Seminole, who was the main researcher for the first face transplants. And then, and it's this Forrest Gump effect that you have to prepare yourself because it happens all the time. I mean, meeting Piyush, Piyush came to me to, uh, talking about a totally different deal. It was actually a, uh, a tag for patients that we were looking on and that we can do some biosensors with and stuff like that. And so it's those Forrest Gump mo- movements that I try on the excitement and the personalities of others, much like trying on a, a suit coat or, or, or a pair of pants. And sometimes they fit based on my core personality, and sometimes they, they don't. And then if they don't fit, you, you shrug them off and move on. But those that do fit very, very carefully feel good. And then I continue those relationships and, and expand on those. And, and so I, you're asking me the question of, of what I would have done different. It's, it's, I can't answer that directly because the environments and the situations and the happenstances that created my life, I can't change now. The, they were there. And, and just like Forrest Gump, some of it is serendipity and others are opportunities that you exploit and others are, are trying on these personalities and clothes and ideas and concepts and learning uh, from others that you really, truly enjoy. Let me let me put a different spin to this. So you did that face transplant. The the world, you know, literally, you know, the world watched in envy and said, "Wow, this is phenomenal." If that face transplant were to happen ten years from now, where AI and medicine will certainly be a major part of medicine and surgery, would the results of that face transplant be different? 
And would you have done it differently? Different tools, different mechanisms, different mechanics and mechanics in surgery? Absolutely. You know, I mean, we, from the first face transplant to our third, we have two teed up already. You know, we're, we're doing it different for each uh, consecutive time. Now we're using augmented reality. And I would imagine using machine learning for different surface registration points and in, in utilizing augmented reality and real-time registration, which uses different algorithms. And then also spectral imaging, I think, is going to be a big thing in the future. You know, how can we spectrally look at the way light refracts and absorbs and reflects off of surfaces? That would also be a part of this in the next 10 years. So the analysis of the face will be different. How we design the surgery, both in a short period of time preoperatively and in real time on the, on the table, and how we register those things on the table is going to be totally different in 10 years. And that's what excites me. I mean, that's what we're, I'm very interested in augmented reality and how, and spectral imaging and how I can combine that with, you know, you know different algorithms and, and learn from that in the future. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. There's an exciting time we live in right now. And with the speed that things are changing, it's, it's going to be totally different. So that's a very interesting take on how, how AI is going to enter medicine and uh, I, I look forward to, you know, surgery being done from a distance. And I, I look at it from an outsider and that excites me a lot. And I was wondering what, what other areas are in AI machine learning aided medicine are looking at incredible growth and excitement right now, uh, Dr. Mathur? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And just to add add to, you know, what Dr. Pepe said before I, I answer your question, I think we also think about access to to care for patients. And currently, you know, you can do one, two, or three, or five face transplants. But I also think about these technologies, especially like artificial intelligence, augmented reality, and other things supporting the same work for many patients. So how, how can you scale it? How can you generalize this? And how, how can you provide better care to all the patients and not, not just a, a small uh, set of patients. So I, I think that that's where I see a lot of those those opportunities so that everybody can benefit, not just a few patients, but everybody can benefit from this. Currently, in, in the last couple of years, we have actually published a review of AI in healthcare on our BrainX community webpage. You can find it in the learn section. And we review all the articles through a PubMed search for the year prior, and then categorize them for every specialty. Now, interestingly, in the last couple of, couple of years, the, the two specialities, which have been the front runners in all the research and applications, as you can imagine, have been imaging and cancer. And a lot of that is interrelated too. So a lot of imaging work related to cancer or a lot of cancer-focused imaging. Those, are the, those have been the true to front runners. And part of the reason for that is because the AI technologies that supported image analysis at a great scale came first with all the convolutional neural networks and, and all the different nets that evolved over there, compared to what's coming now with the evolution of natural language processing. And I think things in other fields, which are not necessarily image-based, are starting to pick up significantly because of the evolution of natural language processing 
and natural language uh, understanding. So there are some, some fields which have really taken this upon themselves. Uh, I really credit the Radiological Society of North America for making this a part of their mission and vision to educate their, their membership, to lead some of the work that they need to lead, to collaborate with people all across the world, with industry, and thereby improving the, the care that they can deliver and integrate this technology into their workflow to help themselves. And they're seeing the benefit of that. And earlier, there used to be this whole concept of, which still remains in, in many people's mind, that you know maybe the computer can do better than the human or the computer will re replace the doctor. But more and more people are learning that that's not the purpose and that that's not helpful rather the combination of of human with the computer is extremely powerful so the the collaboration between the machine learning engineers or the ai engineers and the physicians or or the healthcare providers is extremely powerful combination to deliver better uh, care to our patients and better access to our patients so Currently, it's still imaging and oncology that are the front runners, but other fields are catching up in a big way. As as someone who has worked on NLP and NLU, I'm just curious, any specific areas, any specific fields in medicine you think are up for disruption? Yeah, I think uh, the, a lot of medicine in the last few, few years or almost like a decade or a little bit more than a decade have become EHR-based, which is electronic health record-based. So all the data is going into those EHRs, and that is ripe for exploitation by any field and every field. And then you think about other fields where text data is extremely important and can be leveraged from outside the electronic health record, for example, psychiatry or behavioral sciences. So there is a lot of work that is going on in there to understand the social chats, or emotions or other uh, opportunities to understand and be able to categorize different disease states out of those data sets. Just to add to that is that if you look at physicians you know, as a group and their engagement and, and their level of burnout, the number one cause of burnout by physicians is the electronic medical record. The number two reason for burnout for physicians is prior authorization, you know, working and doing paperwork. It's basically doing paperwork rather than not treating the patient or seeing the patient. And so, you know, I think, you know, the electronic medical is the key to that. So I think AI, especially using NLP, it's prime for disruption. It's teetering on disruption on that end. On the other end, getting back to being a surgeon, and, and which reflects what Dr. Mather said about image recognition. You know, robots have machine vision. We have human vision. Their spectral imaging goes much broader across much greater frequencies than the human vision. But they have to learn too, and they have to predict motion and predict, you know, what to cut and what not to cut. So I think learnable robots on the surgical end of medicine is going to be the next disruptive agent. Very interesting. So from a point of view of uh, ML practitioner who wants to understand healthcare, 
what would be your advice about how to go about doing their research? Where should they be looking at? What paper should they be reading? Like what areas of, uh, they should be focusing on and so on? Well, they should obviously go to BrainX website, <laughs> brainx.org. And, and then as far as starting, well, I'll let Dr. Mather answer this first and I'll, I'll do a follow on because he started this first and, and I just learned from him what to do. Yeah, so I, I think that's a great question. That was the impetus for us to form uh, BrainX community, and you can go to brainxcommunity.com or brainxai.org to find all the the information that you need. It has few different sections. So we have invited speakers over there who are who have done great work in their field and published that, or or are the leaders in this area of AI and healthcare, and from both the worlds, both from the engineering worlds and from the healthcare world, we have invited them. So you can follow them and see what their work uh, has been. And as I said, we provide a curated list of articles over there, and we do the year-end reviews. So through that, you can look at you know what interests you. And I, I always tell people that you should look at cross-disciplinary work. So say the cardiology teams that are looking at EKG might be very interested in looking at what's happening in the EEG interpretation work um, amongst the neurologists or neurology machine learning. Uh, teams, because essentially you're interpreting waveform data, and the techniques are very similar. So maybe you can learn from from the works of each other. And then there is a section called called data, where you know everybody is hungry for open source data sets, and that's why we created that. Where it is the, probably the world's largest repository of links to open source data sets, which is all annotated and and curated uh, with some information. And that's why we do this, do some of the BrainX community live sessions on a monthly basis so that you can join us and interact with, with different members. And now we have been doing this virtually. So a global community has formed around this, which are subsequently available through our, our YouTube channel, also called the BrainX community YouTube channel. But more than that, the most active group that I see, it resides on LinkedIn. So there is a BrainX community group on LinkedIn that you can join where we share the recent literature, you know, the upcoming meetings, and there is a lot of sharing of information that goes on over there in real time, and which, is, which I think is probably the most helpful space for, for people to interact. So a lot of opportunities that, that we have created for everyone, for whichever medium they want to use to interact, to collaborate. And we have seen like transcontinental uh, collaborations come out of this. So we launched BrainX Community Europe year year and a half ago. There is a Middle East group that has sprung up. We have had our research work done across continents between India and US, which was published. So there is a lot of collaboration that has come about from from this uh, just creating these platforms. I, I think what I've learned from Dr. Mather is is you know as a beginner, a neophyte in this. There was after looking at the BrainX and, and really getting your passion, getting your excitement about what problems you want to really look into. But starting as a beginner, you know, there are a lot of courses over the Internet. And, and really, that's how Dr. Mather began to learn. He told me some of the courses. I don't want to promote one or the other because they're all very good. And I've gone from one to another. But I think as a beginner who wants to really start from from the ground up, 
you don't have to be the best coder on earth. You can, you know, luckily these programs are, are so good now. You can learn in a piecemeal way. And there's programs out of Stanford, out of California. There's programs in Europe now. And I would recommend for the neophyte to go out and search what is the best that fits them and really start that way. But also to, to look about what problems that you wish to solve, what strategies do you want to create, and then go back and forth for, from the BrainX websites to these courses. It's amazing how much uh, work has been done by BrainX in this, in all forms to have this introduced to an ML practitioner from the ML side and for the clinician. So I, I wanted to ask, when someone new joins in and starts doing work, what is what is one place you see them making mistakes? And what are some of the notions they have to rethink when the domain is healthcare, as versus, say, domain is just general image recognition or something? Because healthcare, wow. I feel, is special. Yes. Yeah. Well, and yeah, let me let me, Doctor Pepe, reframe that. I mean, this is new business for all of us, right? So we're in the business of medicine, but we're not in the business of running a business. So how do you run a business and run medicine? With a lot of time, with a lot of sleepless nights, sometimes, but. I would say, you know, learning this, you've got to really dedicate some quiet time uh, to really sit down. And, you know, I've got two teenage boys and sometimes that's hard to find and really find out again, you got to find your passion and, and what really excites you. So, again, you have to pick a subject matter. But where where I think, again, getting back to a looks uh, question, um, you know, where are mistakes made and and. Piyush and I talk about this all the time. Piyush, you know, you can spend a lot of time, spin a lot of wheels, but if you should should first start with strategy and, and strategy about how to go to the problem in a very high level. And then you gradually uh, make it more granular over a period of time and break it down. Because if, if you have a big problem without that strategy and, out, and how you break it down into more granular components, you're like drinking from a fire hose and then you get frustrated and, and things like that. So clarifying the problem, number one, is, is the first thing, as clear as you can make it and breaking it down. And then second, what I would say is tr strategy. I open it up to uh, Ashish and, and Yush. Do you still have yeah, anything think, to add to that? I, I think that's, that's a great point. And that's one thing, you know, Dr. Pepe started with reverse mentoring. I, I would say Can't that's one you. thing that I learned from him. Uh, so we, we, to, to expand upon that, you know, Dr. Pepe started with, with reverse mentoring, but that is one thing that I definitely learned from him, that it's not about the algorithms. It's not about uh, any other thing, but it's about the strategy that you want to put in to solve that problem that you have discovered or you want to solve. And I think that that's a lot of time and emphasis. The other thing I would add is, is a part of our story, which is prioritization. You know, we are all very busy people and how do you prioritize something which we discovered early in the formation of BrainX. So when I went to Dr. Pepe and, and he was very kind in helping me and mentoring with the start of this BrainX and more, we decided to meet at 6.30 in the morning every Thursday. And that was because we wanted to prioritize this work over anything and everything. And we have been doing that for years. So even when we have to prioritize something and have a call, we'll have it first thing in the morning 
to to work on that. When I started learning machine le- machine learning and AI techniques, it was at four or five in the morning. That's when I prioritized it to, to, to learn. And I think that prioritization is very important. And that's part of the strategy that that probably helps helps you succeed. Awesome. Uh, I was honestly uh, uh, like, I feared for my own job when you told me that the first time we talked. I was like, <laughs> uh, Dr. Mathur can do, do everything. There's no point uh, me working on this anymore. No, that's not true. That's not true. And, and that's, where, that's where we make distinction between people who are trying to learn and people who are experts. And we have a lot of respect for people who are experts. And we are not trying to do everything ourselves. If you see our journey, we start off by collaborating with Carnegie Mellon University professors, very respectable people, and we learned a lot from them. We partnered with Petuum. We learned a lot from them. We have continued these collaborations across the world with Dr. Tavpritesh Sethi in India, uh, who is a renowned professor there and uh, is at IIIT Delhi. And we have learned a lot from him. So it's for us, it's a continuous learning process. And those are the experts who are who are helping us with this. All we're trying to do is be that bilingual bridge between the healthcare community and the AI community to facilitate some of this, foster some of these, and discover some of these opportunities which will help everyone. So Piyush, um, and in fact, Piyush and Frank, both of you jump in here. Um, BrainX has been a journey. Where will BrainX be, say, one year from now? And where, where will BrainX be five years from now? Piyush, you want to take first? Sure, sure. I think there, there are a lot of projects that are on our plate. So one way to look at BrainX is it's a R&D group. It's a group that does consulting. Uh, and then we have BrainX community, which is for collaboration and for sharing of knowledge. And in all those different areas, we have made substantial progress and we continue to, to work on a lot of different projects. And, and this BrainX Talks is a perfect example of that. So last year, we started with a YouTube channel and we went virtual to, to be able to foster collaboration and engagement and deliver content to the world virtually. But this year through this, this is another edition and another medium through which uh, a lot of our uh, our friends can get this content and uh, and can be helped. So similarly, all these different components of BrainX and BrainX community continue to evolve. And the goal for at least the next year is to, to sustain that and to make sure that it comes at the highest quality. Over the, over the next five years, we do plan on having substantial and good quality products which solve some of the problems that we have talked about, be developed, and hopefully be applied into healthcare. Yeah, the, the whole goal is, is to leave a legacy, okay? To leave a legacy uh, much bigger than what we are, okay? So it started with two guys, now we have how many, Piyush? 3,000 around yeah, the world? Cl- yeah, close to 3,000 international members on BrainX community. And so, so I, w- I would think in a year from now, there'll probably be you know, five, 6,000 uh, as this, this becomes more popular. And besides just the, you know, the website and the library, you know, we'll probably have more video logs and, and podcasts like this will grow. And so the expansion of the media will grow. Um, and then what do I see in five years besides the sort of 
collective mind and the collective genius of Brainix around the world with thousands of minds really working on this, we're going to find spinoffs, new ventures being created out of, out of this. And these new ventures are going to be contributing from, originating from BrainX. But again, this relationship that we can develop across the world in BrainX should help new ventures in Middle East, in India, in Europe, in the United States, in South America, in Asia, around the world. And that's what really excites me. I mean, what a great legacy to leave if you can improve humanity, starting with just two guys, but on the end, really sharing things and, and, and developing these relationships. That's, that's what excites me about Brain X in 10 years. Sir. Yeah, this is, you know, as I say, it's been a little fairy tale and I hope that fairy tale continues and that we are not the only part of the fairy tale that everyone across the world sort of joins in, in this Brain X family and is part of this wonderful journey. Um, so we're coming to the end, but Piyush, I'd like to ask you anything that the listeners should know about the month of February. Is, are there any big events planned that they should set aside time for? Yes, no, uh, we are definitely always very excited about February or March because that's when we release our year in review. And that's when we'll be releasing our year in review. And I can tell you, uh, I've personally gone through somewhere around 6,000 articles through our PubMed search for AI in healthcare, categorize them for different specialties, and that review similar to the past years, and probably better than the past years, should be coming to you in, in February. Excellent. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that, I come to the end of the very first edition of BrainX Talks on behalf of my co-host, uh, Alok Kothari. And our wonderful guests today, uh, Drs. Piyush Mathur and Frank Pepe, I thank all of you for your very patient listening. And remember, for all of you all who are interested, please come on over to our LinkedIn page. Be a part of the BrainX community. It costs you nothing and it adds much value to your life and what you can do with big data and big data analytics. Look into brainxai.org for more information. Our emails and contact information is over there. Drop us a line. We love to collaborate. We love to listen from and, and, and listen to you, hear from you, and see what else is going on in other parts of the world with big data, big data research, and artificial intelligence. So until next time, my friends, please stay safe, take care, and I'll say this, wear your masks.